really hope that the that the song that we're singing isn't you know completely opposite direction from what what you're going to preach. Uh, it was not. Uh, it was pretty cool to see the the way that the Lord was working there. Um, while you're turning there to Mark chapter four, if you would stand. Um, <clears throat> We'll read this passage, but before I do, I just want to say thank you uh, for the opportunity to preach. Uh, it says a lot to me uh, that there's still a pretty good group of people here, even though pastor's gone and it was announced several times. Um, <clears throat> I know that the Lord has called me to preach, uh, but you know, if you never have an opportunity to preach, how are you going to develop as a preacher? And uh, so... You all have a part in that, in the development of the preachers that are here that uh, pastor gives an opportunity to preach, and so I'm very grateful for that. Uh, I, I think that the judgment seat of Christ will tell just how much the Lord thinks of that, so I'm very thankful. All right, uh, Mark chapter 4, starting in verse number 35, <clears throat> should be a pretty familiar passage to us. <clears throat> Mark chapter 5, or excuse me, 4, verse 35. The Bible says, And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Uh, Brother Harris, could I ask you to pray and get us going here? You can go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> now, uh, <laughs> Jesse mentioned something on Wednesday night, if you were here or you heard him. Uh, he mentioned something. He said, I don't want to be targeting people. Um, and I also don't want to be targeting people. Uh, it's easier for me because I don't know a lot of you here yet. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what to target. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's pretty safe for a preacher to preach Jesus Christ. Uh, I think it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And so I'm going to preach you a message here today, and I, I'll, I'll put a title to it because it's in the Bible, it's in the passage there. I'm going to title it, What Manner of Man? So we're going to look at this passage here and look at what manner of man that we're dealing with. Now there is a phrase that is actually a pretty rare phrase in the Bible in that verse 41 at the very end of that passage there. And it says, and they feared what? exceedingly. They feared exceedingly. Now, fear is all throughout the Bible. There's good fear and there's bad fear. I actually uh, took a couple times as I was reading through my Bible, uh, and sometimes when a phrase pops out to me, I want to see how much that shows up in the Bible. Well, the fear of the Lord showed up. It was showing up when I was reading through my Bible, and I was like, man, 
I'm going to start underlining that. So I, I picked a color and I started underlining the fear of the Lord. And you know, this is actually one of those times where it's underlined because they're fearing the Lord. They're fearing because of the Lord. Now, that, sh- that phrase, feared exceedingly, either fear, uh, it's, it's exceedingly feared or we're exceedingly afraid, it, o- it only shows up five times in the scripture. And here's one of them dealing with a storm. You know where two of the other times shows up? It's with Jonah. And you know what happens at the end when, the, you know, everybody knows the story of Jonah, right? He's like, yeah, I fear God. I, I, I follow God. And then it said that they were exceedingly afraid. Uh, and then they threw him overboard. And then what happens? What happens when they throw Jonah overboard? The, the storm goes away, right? It said they feared the Lord exceedingly. So I, want you to, I, I just want you to keep that in the back of your mind because there's plenty of fear in this world. I mean, you turn on the news, <laughs> you know what they're going to be feeding you? They're going to be feeding you fear. Yeah, they'll have some nice, you know, heartwarming story. I was uh, watching the game last night, and then the, the news came on after the game, and they were, you know, trying to, it felt like filler. They were just, you know, oh, look at this, you know, nice person that gave a hockey jersey to someone. But you know what the rest of it was? There was a lot of fear that goes on there. There's two types of fear in this passage, and this, this is not a message about fear. This is just introduction. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get us into the message here. There's a lot of fear in this world, but there's two types. There's a good fear, a fear where you fear the Lord, and there's a reaction to fear, right? If you're afraid, what happens? <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm afraid of public speaking, so you might not be able to see it, but like my legs are shaking right now. I'm pretty nervous. Okay, public speaking, that's a, that's a very real fear. I am terrified of heights. Okay, uh, I've found uh, recently within the last few months that having kids kind of accentuates that fear just a little bit. Uh, we went up to Mackinac a few months ago and <clears throat> we went up to, I don't know if you guys have ever gone over to Castle Rock, uh, right across the bridge. It's just a few miles across the bridge. Uh, and I've climbed that thing dozens of times. I mean, we, that was vacation growing up. We'd go across and, you know, we'd go do stuff in the UP, and that was one of the things that we did several times. Um, it's, it's a little high, right? It's terrifying to me as being afraid of heights. Uh, well, with the kids over there, yeah, I, nope. No, I was, my wife was like, here, I need to take a picture for this couple. You know, they're, they're having fun over here, and, you know, hanging off the edge, acting like they're throwing each other off. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to see that. And she's like, here, take the kids. So I've got like all three. And I was like, no, no, I, I just, I took a knee. I'm like grabbing on the fence. And I'm like, my kids are like, dad, it hurts. Please stop squeezing me. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's, there's fear, right? I think it's a healthy fear because I don't want to fall. Um, but you know, there's, there's plenty of things that we can be afraid of. That, that create a physical response, right? Fear creates a response. Well, the, the fear in this passage, there's two, there's two kinds. In verse 40, Jesus said, why are you so fearful? They're afraid of the storm that they were in. And then Jesus calms the storm, and they see his power. Now the fear is a little bit different. What is their response? In verse 41, it says they, exceed, they feared exceedingly, it says, and they asked a question, right? It says, what manner 
of man is this. You see, that fear created a good response in them because now they weren't afraid of their circumstances. They weren't afraid of what was going on around them. There was a fear that got them to look at Jesus Christ. They looked at Jesus Christ a little bit differently because, man, uh, I've never seen anybody else calm a storm like that. You see, they got a glimpse of God. There's plenty of people in the Bible that got a glimpse of God and had a similar response. I think of Job. Job, all throughout, I mean, you see in chapters 1 and 2 what, what he went through, the things that he lost. He lost a lot of things. He lost his family. He lost his possessions. The Lord kept him his wife, and she, you know, she was like, hey, why don't you deny God, curse God, and die? He lost everything, right? And then all throughout the, the book of Job, what happens? He's, he's trying to justify himself. You know, I didn't really do anything wrong. Job didn't do anything wrong. We saw that in chapter 1. He did not do anything wrong. He was following the Lord, and the Lord allowed something to happen to him. And then at the end of the book, in chapters, uh, I think it's 38, 39, 40, and 41, who shows up? God shows up. And God talks through all of those chapters. And then chapter 42, what does Job say? He said, Mine I have heard of thee, but now mine eye seeth thee. He saw God, and what happened? He got a correct view of himself. There was some fear that was involved there. He said, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. It wasn't just him. Uh, think of, um, <clears throat> I think of John over in Revelation, right? He was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, caught up, and he saw things uh, that nobody else had ever seen before. And it says that when he saw Jesus Christ and described him, it says he fell on his face as, a de as, as he was dead. There is some power when you see God that will change some fear about your circumstances to fear that will get you to consider the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to look at here this morning. Um, <clears throat> we're going to look at Jesus Christ in this passage, and, and I want to answer that question. What manner of man? Who are we dealing with? If we're going to have a relationship with somebody, that's the point, right? We're trying to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We should know some things about him, right? I should know, if I'm trying to have a relationship with my wife, I should know some things about her, right? I should know some things that she likes, some things that she dislikes. She dislikes the Red Wings, by the way. Boo. Uh, <laughs> You have to know things about someone that you're going to have a relationship with. So let's look at Jesus Christ in this passage and see what manner of man. The first thing that I see is in verse number 35 and 36. I see that Jesus Christ is a man of certainty. He's a man of certainty in his destination. You see, uh, look at verse number 36. It says, When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and they were there were also with him other little ships. You see, Jesus Christ was only in one ship, right? If you remember the story, at the beginning of chapter 4, he's in this ship because the multitude was getting so close to him, he had to get away from the multitude, so he got in the ship and pushed away from the land and was preaching to him in the ship. Well, this is at the end of that whole dissertation, that preaching that he did. The disciples got in the ship with him. As soon as they got in that ship... Their destination was set. You see, uh, 
if you're in the same ship with Jesus Christ, you're going where he's going. <laughs> I don't have to worry about, oh man, you know, <laughs> I might not make it to my destination. You see, we don't know about the destination of the other, these other ships. It says there were other little ships with him. They're never mentioned again, not in this chapter, not in the next chapter. But you know what ship is mentioned? The one that Jesus Christ was in. Now that's important to remember because I'll turn over to first, uh, excuse me, Colossians chapter one, real quick. Keep your finger there in Mark, and turn over to Colossians chapter one. I'm going to tell you about a mystery here that Paul that was revealed to Paul, and this should give you a little comfort here this morning. Colossians chapter 1, look down in verse 27. The Bible says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ. What does it say? In you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see... That is why biblical salvation is so important, because that's what sets your destination, right? There's plenty of people out there that are in that, those other little ships, and they're like, yeah, I, I'm with Jesus. I'm following Jesus. Yeah, you might be trying to, and you might be trying to align yourself with Jesus Christ, but if you are not in the ship with Jesus Christ, and if he is not in you, your destination is not certain. But as soon as Jesus Christ gets in that ship, their destination is set. They're going where that ship goes because Jesus is in there. And you see, Jesus Christ has a, he's got a ministry. He's got a, a mission to do something. Jesus Christ was going over to the other side, right? That's what it says. He had a reason for going over to the other side. Did those other little ships know what they were doing? <laughs> They were just following Jesus, you know, but he wasn't in the ship. So with G that's why biblical salvation is so important. And if you're here this morning and you, you might be trying to align with Jesus Christ and, oh, yeah, I, I identify that that word is absolutely ridiculous nowadays. I identify as whatever I can, you know, right? I identify as a Christian. If you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ, if he doesn't live inside of you, your destination well, it is certain, but it's hell. But you see, Jesus Christ in this ship, their destination is sealed. He's a man of certainty, and he's certain in his destination, but not only is he certain in his destination, he's certain in his direction. Look at verse number 35 at the end. It says, let us pass over unto the other side. He had a job to do over there. There was a reason that he's, he had to get across to the other side. <laughs> it wasn't just like, ah, well, you know, I feel like going for a sail tonight. Let's go over, you know, we'll, we'll sail and then we'll land on the other side, right? No, there was a reason that he had to go there. Keep that in your mind because we're going to come back to that here in just a little bit. But I want you to remember that it's important to remember that sometimes the Lord is going to give you directions and that's all. He's going to say, hey, this is where we're going, and that's it. Did Jesus Christ tell them, hey, uh, we're going to go over to the other side. Uh, on the way, there's going to be a storm. No. 
He just said, this is what I want you to do, so do it. Now, that's hard sometimes because, you know, I, I have a little bit of experience in sailing. Uh, when I was like 10, 11 years old, um, my aunt and uncle, they worked for the Sailing Association up in Bay City, and they would teach kids how to sail. And uh, so I went out there, and we got this little, we got in this little sailing dinghy. It was probably about this wide, and maybe from here to the first pew long, it was pretty small. Um, and I get out on the Saginaw River there, and when I say sailing experience, uh, I got in the sailboat, and I got about 10 feet away from the dock and started crying. I have a lot of fears, guys, all right? If you hadn't noticed, right? I get away from the dock, and I'm like, ah, I'm going to die, you know? It, like, it wasn't even windy. Like, the, there wasn't even enough wind to blow the boat around because it was, it was calm, yeah. Anyway, um, oh, man, now I lost my train of thought. Give me a second. <laughs> See, the Lord gave them the direction to go over to the other side, but he didn't give them the reason why. Sometimes the Lord gives you directions and you don't really know the reason why, right? I was given some directions, and I'll talk more about it here in a little bit, but I was given some directions not too long ago uh, that were directions where I was like, excuse me, you want me to do what? I don't, that's not right, that's, that's mean. <laughs> that's not right to do. I shouldn't be doing that, but the Lord said, do it. I didn't know why. I have a little bit better idea now why. But at the time, I had no idea why. He didn't divulge the specifics. Uh, he didn't tell them what they were about to go through. You know, uh, I remember where I was going with the sailing story, right? Uh, I would look at the weather. Before I went sailing, I would look at the weather and be like, uh, it says that we're supposed to get like five mile an hour winds, but gusts up to 20. I don't know if you guys know what wind does to a sailboat especially a tiny little boat. I was like, yeah, I, I don't, I, my stomach hurts today, guys. I don't think I want to go out there. Why? Because I looked at the weather. <laughs> I was like, no, let's not go out there because I know what wind does to a sail, right? That's scary. Well, you see, they're, these are fishermen here. Well, some of them are. Does it say anything about them looking at the weather? I'm sure that they could probably tell a lot more about the weather, about something that was about to hit them than any other person that would be on that boat. They weren't like, hey, Lord, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but those clouds over there, that's storm clouds. We are in a little boat. Probably not a good idea. You know, it's like 15 miles across. If we were to go around, it's maybe 20 miles if we walk at a pace of like, you know, a mile every 20 minutes, that's only like eight hours. Why don't we just walk around instead of going across? We could just walk around. If that's where you got to go, let's just walk around, right? They didn't do that. The Lord said, get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. How many times do we do that, though? How many times does the Lord say, hey, I want you to do this? That's all the information you get right now. And then we, we pull out the weather app, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but Lord, if, if we do it this way, uh, this could happen. It might be hard. Things might happen that I don't like going through. 
How many times has the Lord told you to do something and that was your first reaction? I know I've done it plenty of times. The Lord says, I want you to do this. And instead of trusting the Lord and saying, yep, Lord, your directions, they're pretty certain, right? I can follow you. I know what you're doing. Well, I don't know what you're doing, but you know what you're doing. And I can trust you. Instead of doing that, how many times do we say, yeah, I, uh, Lord, what happens if I don't get a job? <laughs> you know, what happens if I lose my job? What happens if people make fun of me? That one comes up a lot every time the Lord's like, hey, why don't you talk to that person about me? Oh, what if he makes fun of me? <laughs> They're going to make fun of you, all right? But, but every once in a while the Lord says, hey, why don't you talk to that person? And then you open your mouth and they're like, hey, I was just thinking about this the other day. You don't know what the Lord's trying to do, right? So think about it like this. When he gives you some direction, why don't you just follow it? Because he knows what he's doing. He's getting, he's getting to a point. There's a, there's a reason that the Lord is doing this, but the disciples can't see it yet. And so what I like about them, uh, they at least had, the Lord rebukes them a little bit later and says, How is it, where's your faith at? They at least had enough faith to follow the Lord and say, hey, you know, why don't I just go across to the other side? But I wonder, I wonder if it was, it was not their faith in the Lord that got them to get in the boat, or if it was just their life experience. Like I said, there was at least four commercial fishermen on this boat. It says that he was with his disciples. He had already chosen them at this point in Mark, and four of them... Peter, James, John, and Andrew, they were, that, that is literally what they did for a living. They fished on this sea, the Sea of Galilee. That's what they did. That, that's, what they, that's how they made money. So I wonder if it was the faith saying, oh, yeah, this is what the Lord's telling us. Yeah, this, I'm, I'm used to this, all right? I can handle anything that comes my way on this sea because I've been on it plenty of times. You see... <clears throat> They didn't know the purpose that they were going to the other side. They didn't know what the weather was going to be like. They just knew that the Lord said, get in the boat. And so they did. Now, look at verse number 37. <clears throat> it says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Boats don't float very well if they're full of water. I don't know if you guys, <clears throat> I don't know you guys as like nautical experience, so I'm just going to throw that out there for you. If a boat is full of water, it's not going to float very well. It doesn't get to where it's going. But it says that there, there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. You see, at this point, had they deviated from the will of God at all? Was there a point where the disciples didn't do what the Lord wanted them to do? No. They were in the direct will of God. They were doing what the Lord told them to do. God said, hey, we're going to go. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. Let us go on to the other side. So that's what they were doing. And then all of a sudden, they're doing what the Lord told them to do, and something happens. Isn't that how it goes usually? The Lord says, hey, I want you to do this thing. 
and then everything falls apart. <laughs> I said I was going <clears> to <throat> talk about some stuff in my own life, just kind of as a personal testimony. You know, a few, uh, like eight months ago, the Lord said, it's time to leave your church. And I said, uh, <laughs> like now? Because I was like, you know, well, all right, if, if you want me to leave, then we'll, we'll go and, you know, we'll, we'll find a place to go. And then once we find another place to go, then we'll leave. There'll be like a transition, right? N no, he said, leave now. All right, Lord, <laughs> if that's what you want me to do, wh where do you want me to go? I didn't tell you that yet. Just, just leave, okay? So here I am sitting in limbo. Uh, this is when we, I had already been listening to, to Pastor Reagan uh, at this point, but this is where we left our church. We don't have a home church to go to anymore, right? And so I sit in my basement where our living room is sat up, and we're listening to the preaching here. What are we doing, Lord? Doesn't matter yet. <laughs> Was I doing anything wrong? At this point, some would say, yeah, because you weren't in church. <laughs> I was following what the Lord told me to do. And then the Lord gave me just a little bit more direction. I, I had been praying and spending some time fasting, and he gave me some peace about coming here. This is not, no offense to you guys, please don't take this the wrong way. This is not where I would have chosen to go, all right? I grew up up north. Um, I like seclusion. I don't really like city life. Um, and this is, you know, it's close to the city. <laughs> this is not where I necessarily would have chosen. The Lord gave me the choice, and I made the choice to come here, uh, but because I had peace about it. Once that choice was made, you want to talk about a storm? <laughs> Ask pastor, I called him one day and like just blubbered to him for 45 minutes and I was like, this is going wrong and this is going wrong and that, like everything is falling apart in my life. I'm doing what you told me to do, Lord. Why? why? <laughs> You'll see in a minute why. But this is kind of the position that those disciples were in. Lord, you told us to come across here. Commercial fishermen, right? <laughs> there's, there's at least four of them that know what they're doing. The other eight, well, I don't know, you know. Matthew's probably puking over the side because he's like, man, I shouldn't have given up my job at the IRS. I could be collecting taxes right now, right? You know, <clears throat> Judas is like, well, I wonder if the boat goes down, if we could get like an insurance claim on it. <laughs> because then, you know, obviously more money for the bag, Right. And Peter's probably in the back of the boat barking orders saying, hey, uh, John, put the mainsail down a little bit. We're getting too much wind. Matthew, over the side, not in the boat. We're floating around in water. I don't want the puke in here. Get it over the side, right? Hey, uh, Thomas, why don't you like, start using your hands and scoop some of the water over something, right? <laughs> They're in the middle of a storm, probably like they've never seen before. But you have Jesus Christ... Oh, what's he doing? <laughs> He's asleep. He's taking a nap. 
And that brings me to the next one, because you see, Jesus Christ is not only a man of certainty, he's a man of compassion. It doesn't really look like it from uh, him sleeping in the corner, right? But he's, he's a man of compassion because he does end up calming the storm. But you see, I want you, to, I want you to think about the compassion that Jesus Christ has because, man, what a long-suffering God we serve. Because even in the face of doubt, he's a man of compassion. Because look at verse number 39, or 38, excuse me. It says, He was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now they're asking a question here. But that's an accusation. It's a question, but they're like, Hey, uh, we're dying here. I'm drowning. Can't you do something? Do you, do you not even care about me, Lord? That, that's the position. That's the tone of voice that they're in. They're like, man, we've been trying. This storm hit us out of nowhere. We're trying to get all the water out. We're trying to stay afloat. And you're over here sleeping. Do you even care? <laughs> that's, that's, that's how we come to the Lord sometimes, right? Sometimes I'm like, Lord, um, kind of drowning here. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why you're doing this. He's got a reason. You see, that question at the end of verse 38, that's the natural human reaction to this situation. If I saw somebody that I knew, <clears throat> they've seen him heal people at this point, right? They've seen him cast out devils at this point. I mean, I, I understand this is early on in the ministry of Jesus Christ, but they have already seen him perform some miracles. They know he has power. <laughs> and they're drowning, and he's sitting over there in the corner taking a nap. That's natural, right? If somebody that I know that they claim to care about me, and, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, you could help me right now, but they don't. I would question that. That's a valid response, right? You say you love me, but uh, I'm literally about to die right now. They're not being dramatic at this point. <laughs> I need you to understand that. I said it before, I'm going to say it again. There's four commercial fishermen in this boat. This is a real problem that they've done everything at this point that they know how to do to fix the problem. Every single thing that they could have done, they've already done it. They've already put the work in. They've already done everything that they can, and they're still going down, right? It says that the, the, the ship was full. It was now full. I don't think that they were just sitting there, you know, the, the wind whips up and the waves start beating into the, into the side of the ship. They're not just sitting over there, right? <laughs> oh, man, that's a pretty, oh, look at that lightning over there. No, no, they're, they're in the middle of a storm and they're doing everything that they can. They weren't just sitting around, right? They weren't being lazy. Maybe they thought that Jesus was being lazy. I don't know. But I can tell you they thought that Jesus Christ didn't care about him. 
They doubted, their, they, they doubted Jesus Christ's com- compassion for them because his reaction was to take a nap. <laughs> Have you ever doubted the Lord and still had him come through for you? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Let me ask the question again. Have you ever doubted the Lord and still had him come through for you? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody in here should have. Why? Because, well, we, we think with a finite mind, and all we can think about is the here and now, right? In a human, in a human standpoint, that's where we, we focus our efforts on, on the things that we can see, on the problems that are facing us. You see, <clears throat> Jesus Christ was a man of compassion. He still had compassion on them, even though they doubted him. They doubted his care for them. They're like, Lord, do you even care? But he's a man of compassion, not only when facing doubt, but when he's being disturbed. Now, I'd say that tongue-in-cheek, because I hope you know here this morning that you can go to the Lord anytime that you need help. Anytime. What does Hebrews 4 say? It says that we may come boldly under the throne of grace to find help. And grace to help in time of need. There's not a caveat to that verse. It's not like, well, if you're already doing everything that you can, then go to the Lord. Then we can come boldly under the throne of grace, right? No, it doesn't say that. You see, I say he was being disturbed because they woke him up. They woke him up from sleep. I don't know why Jesus was sleeping, all right? I, I, I don't know. But I do know this. Um, I'm a pretty heavy sleeper. I have sleep apnea, and I have to wear this mask. Um, when I put that thing on, I'm out, all right? <clears throat> My wife, she'll tell me all the time. She'll be like, did you hear the kids last night? You know, I had to get up like 17 times because, you know, they were crying or puking or whatever. And I'm like, Yeah. I didn't hear that, right? I'm a pretty heavy sleeper, but I can tell you this. I've been woken up with cold water before. I don't sleep very well through getting splashed in the face with cold water. And if this boat is full and Jesus Christ is in this boat that's full, he's, he's sleeping in water, right? And the waves are hitting him. I feel like that would wake me up. So I don't, I don't really know why Jesus is sleeping, but I do know that he didn't just jump to the aid as soon as they started having problems. He wasn't like, oh, guys, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm, I'm sure that's how modern Christianity wants to portray it. They portray Jesus as some effeminate loser, just like pushover, right? That's not, that's not what Jesus Christ is doing here. He let them go through some things, before he came to their help. Hey, parents, uh, this is just a side note. This one's free, all right? You don't have to pay for this one. Are you running to your kid's aid every time they have a problem? <laughs> hey, uh, it's okay. I mean, when they're little, yeah, they, they're helpless. They need some help. But as they start growing, if you still keep going to them and, and just, you know, helping them along, helping them along, and, and fixing every little problem that they have... You're crippling your kids. That's what Jesus Christ is doing. He's allowing them to go through something that hurts a little bit. 
it provides a little bit of discomfort. <clears throat> and then they disturb him. Why is it? I, I, I don't understand. I can't answer this question. Maybe somebody can tell me afterwards. Why is it that the only thing that woke Jesus up was when they came to him for help? That's something to think about. Because, like I said, <laughs> waves, ship full, right? How is it that as soon as they asked the Lord for help, he was up? I'm awake now. I'm here. What do you need? He's a man of compassion. <clears throat> now, I, I think that if they had gone to the Lord sooner, he might have helped them a little sooner, right? If he didn't help them a little sooner, at least he would have been awake in the storm. You know, because this is what I found is that Jesus Christ is a man of compassion, but he, as we're going to see as we go on to the next point here in just a minute, he wants what's best for us. And what was best for those disciples was not fixing the problem as soon as, soon as it showed up. So even if they had woken him up and said, hey, Lord, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but there's like wind coming. It's about to get bad. Maybe the Lord would have been there in the storm with them. Instead of them trying to fix everything on their own, well, if I can just do this, if I can, if I can get enough water out, we can stay afloat. If I can, you know, if I can just work a few more hours, maybe, maybe the financial problems will go away. If I, can just, uh, if I can go to the doctor and get this thing fixed, and it'll go away, right? Now, now please, don't, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to the doctor if there's a health problem, or that you shouldn't work extra hours if you're having financial problems, or that you shouldn't work on your marriage if there's marriage problems. That's not what I'm trying to say. But maybe go to the Lord first. He might not fix them. I don't think that if, the Lord had, if they had woken the Lord up at, at, at the early stages of this storm, I don't necessarily think that he would have calmed the storm. Because they still needed to go through the storm, right? There was something that the Lord was doing through this storm. But at least he would have been there. Man, how many times have you gone through a storm and you're trying to fix everything? Let me just fix all of these things. And then your last resort is going to the Lord. You see, remember when I said we focus on the here and now? I just want my problems to be gone. Wake up call. It's life, right? We have problems. Some people have more problems than others. But everybody has experienced life, and sometimes life can get a little rough. How many times has your response to life getting rough is, let me see what I can fix, instead of going right to the Lord? I'm not going to sit here and preach a prosperity gospel and say, oh, if you pray, if you pray hard enough, you know, the Lord will just fix everything. No. But maybe he'll be awake in the storm with you. Maybe the Lord wanted him to wake him up early. 
earlier than that. I don't know. But I can guarantee you that the only thing that woke him up in that storm was them coming to him for help. So if they had come to him earlier in the storm, you know what would have woke him up? Them coming to him for help. Because that's what woke him up. But that brings me to this third one. Jesus Christ isn't just a man of certainty. He's not just a man of compassion. He's also a man of correction. Look at verse number 40. It says, And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? You see... After this storm had passed, Jesus Christ, he had compassion on them, right? And and he calmed the storm. He said, peace be still, and it stopped. There was a great calm. But that storm had illuminated some things. It had illuminated some weak spots. I want you to notice uh, the correction, it didn't involve, hey, uh, maybe next time we go over, we should get a bigger boat. Maybe next time we should get the Titanic, because that one can't sink, right? Titanic joke. Maybe next time we should, like I said earlier, we should walk around. This was not the correction that the Lord was, was pinpointing. He wasn't trying to fix what they were trying to do. He wasn't saying, hey, uh, next time we should bring more buckets so we can get more water out, right? That's not what he was trying to say. He wasn't correcting their methods. He wasn't correcting anything. What was he correcting? He was correcting their faith. You see, and I'm not 100% sure on this. I wrote it down, and it sounds pretty good. I (laughs) I don't know how true it is. But I don't think that they lacked faith because they were fearful in the storm. I think that they lacked faith because they... They went to Jesus Christ last. Jesus Christ was their last resort. You see, the Lord wants to correct you. Can I get a show of hands? How many of you in here are perfect? Just me? (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) We're not perfect, right? Far from it. When you look at Jesus Christ compared to yourself, you you might be able to look at somebody else and be like, well, I'm not doing that. Uh, But what does the Bible say? It says, in that day when God shall judge the secrets of men by their friends, right? By their enemies. No, in that day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. So when we stack up against the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, no, it's... Not even close. So there's always things that we can be fixing, always things that we can be improving. Their reaction to the storm in this situation showed that they lacked some faith. Now, before you go saying, oh, you know, well, I just, I just got to get more faith. I just got to do better. The illumination to their lack of faith wasn't necessarily a bad thing. I would even go so far as to say that at this point in their life, I don't even know that the lack of faith was a bad thing. Because when you, uh, (laughs) how many of you have had kids in here, right? 
you know, you don't just, they don't come out of the womb and you're like, all right, get up, do the dishes, you know, go clean your room. No, that's something that comes with time. That's something that comes with growth, right? There's a correction process. It's not necessarily a bad thing to see that. The problem comes when the Lord says, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And you're like, no, Lord, I got all the faith. You see, they couldn't have said that because the Lord just proved to them. He had to put them through something to say, hey, there's a, there's a problem here. You've got no faith. You see, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, probably my favorite verse in the Bible. Uh, it can be a hard verse at times, but it's a promise. Because the Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Do you know what that means to me? That means that the Lord's not done dealing with me. Yeah, I might have just gone through a storm and it kind of, <laughs> it kind of showed some things like, oh man, I could do better in this area. And the Lord will tweak those things as you go along. But man, what a blessing it is to know that the Lord Jesus Christ still is interested in me getting better. He's interested in my faith increasing. He's, in, he's interested in my spiritual well-being. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, Jesus Christ wants you to have all the, all the money in the world and the best house and, you know, all the friends and whatever it is that you desire but he wants what's best for your spiritual well-being. Do you know what he wants? He wants you to stand perfect before him at the judgment seat of Christ. Whether you have all the friends in the world, all the money in the world, you have no money, you have no friends, you have no status as a, socially, that stuff doesn't matter. Do you know what matters to the Lord Jesus Christ? Your spiritual life. You standing before him at the judgment seat of Christ being able to hand something back to him. Something coming out on the other side of that fire. You see, uh, I think it's Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, starting in there. Uh, the Bible says, and beside all this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. You see, everybody starts with faith. If, you, if, you, if Jesus Christ is in your boat today, this morning, you had to have some element of faith, Right? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There's, there's some element of faith. Do we stop at faith? Do we stop at just the amount of faith that you need for salvation? No, the Lord wants that to grow. He wants that to change. He wants you to add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. I think I may have missed one in there. The Lord Jesus Christ wants you to get better. Spiritually, He wants you to have to go through some things. They're not fun. But they're going to make you better. You're going to come out on the, on the other side of the storm just a little bit better. Jesus Christ is a man of correction. <clears throat> but not only that, and I'm done with this, Jesus Christ showed them specifically who they were dealing with. Because he is not just a man, he's the creator. 
You see, look at verse number 39. It says, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Who else can calm a storm? The weathermen, they can, you know, they can sit there and tell you what they think is going to happen in a storm. They're like, yeah, this hurricane's coming. And, and then they've got like 800 different ways that that hurricane could possibly go. They have no idea, right? Let alone trying to predict it. They can't do anything about the destruction that's coming with that storm. There's only one person that can calm the storm. Keep your hand there. Actually, I think we're done there. Go over to Psalm 89. I want you to see something here. Psalm 89, and look at verse number 9. Actually, look at verse 8, just so we can see who it's talking about. It says, O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee? It says, Thou, thou rulest the raging of the sea, when the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. Who can still the storm? Only God. Only the one that created the storm. You see, Jesus Christ, he created this storm, I think, for a lot of different reasons. I think there was a lot of people that were getting affected here, the disciples in the boat. But as we're going to see here in just a minute, it, had an, it may have had an effect on somebody else. You see, Jesus showed his disciples that while they were dealing with the man, Jesus Christ... They were also dealing with the very one that spoke this world into existence. That's what made them fear. Because they realized there's only one man that has that power. There's only one person that has that power. And that's God. I mentioned at the very beginning that Jesus had a purpose for going over to the other side. Go ahead and turn back. To Mark chapter 4. I said we were done. I apologize. <clears throat> I thought we were, but I, wanna, I want you to see something here. Mark chapter 5, actually. It says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, in chapter 5, verse 1, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. You see, Jesus Christ had an appointment with somebody over on the other side. He brought the disciples along and put them through a storm on the way over there. Now, I don't know if this man with an unclean spirit saw what was going on out there. I do know this, that uh, he was probably in a vantage point where he could have seen it. Because when, he, when Jesus Christ casts out that devil, they go into the herd of swine and they run down a steep place into the sea, right? So he was probably somewhere up a little bit higher to where he could have seen what they were going through. He could have seen... The events that transpired out there. 
<laughs> he maybe saw that ship full of water and was like, yeah, they're going down. <laughs> this, guy's, this guy is possessed with an unclean spirit, right? Maybe the Lord is putting you through some things and maybe there's some people that are looking at you and they're like, <laughs> they're going down. There's no way that they can get through that. If I went through the same thing, I'd be out. They're going through something. There's, there's no way that they're going to make it through. There's no way that they're going to come out on the other side of that storm. Maybe the Lord was just preparing them through that process of going through that storm to be able to help that man on the other side. And maybe, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, I have, maybe the Lord's just holding off on calming the storm. You know, you, maybe, maybe, you were, maybe you were doing the right thing. Maybe you were, as soon as you saw the storm come along, you were, you were doing the right things and you were trying to, you know, you weren't being lazy, you were doing the work, but you also went to the Lord. And maybe you're having some fellowship with the Lord through the storm and you're like, man, Lord, I don't know why I'm still going through this. You can take it away. Maybe somebody's watching you. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe the Lord has a purpose for you to help somebody on the other side. Maybe that man finally witnessed a power that was strong enough to control what was going inside of his mind. Maybe he looked out there and saw, man, I've never seen a storm stop like that before. And he thought about the storm that's going on inside of his mind, and he was like, man, I need that power. Why? Because who meets them when they get off the boat? Was it the people in the town? No, they knew nothing about it. No, it was somebody that needed help. And maybe the Lord just wants you to go through some things so that you can help somebody. Now, <clears throat> I told you about some of the stuff that, that we've gone through. Man, I, I tell you what, we made the decision to move here, and <laughs> you want to talk about some stuff going down. Uh, <clears throat> I had somebody coming after me for... Uh, while coming after the business that I own for a lot of money. I had people that uh, were accusing me of a lot of things. Reputation was uh, non-existent. And the Lord brought us here, and slowly some of those things just kind of went by the wayside. The Lord took care of some of those things, and it, it calmed down, right? <clears throat> And I remember the Lord provided a job for me here. It was not necessarily a job that I would have seen myself in. I did not think of myself as being a heavy equipment mechanic, right? I went from flooring. <laughs> I went from doing floors to that. Uh, but the Lord provided me a way to get this job. And so, as I've listened to Pastor, he's always said, you know, you don't know... You don't know who the Lord is going to use to help somebody that's looking for the truth. So when I got this job, I knew that the Lord provided this job for me. And uh, <clears throat> I thought, man, 
that must mean that the Lord has somebody there for me to help. I don't know. I've tried. <laughs> I've been there for over six months now, and I've tried witnessing to people. I've invited them to church. And you sit there and you get made fun of because that's what they're going to do. They're going to make fun of you for having faith even though they have faith in something that's way, way less likely. You know. <clears throat> and then this week happened. And the Lord said, why don't you say something? And so I did. <clears throat> At the job where I was working... Not even in the branch that I was working, I was over in Lansing for training. And a conversation opened up and I was able to sit there and talk to a man. I'm not sure if he's saved or not, I think he is. <clears throat> Talked to him for quite, quite some time. And he said, he asked a question. <clears throat> and without getting into the whole conversation... I was able to give him an answer that nobody else had been able to give him. Because I'm special? <laughs> Not likely. <laughs> no, because the Lord had put me through some things and shown me the answer that he needed. Because the Lord had put me through some stuff. It was rough. It was rough at times, man. There were some hard things that I had to go through. But to come over on the other side and to be able to help somebody. And I heard a message this week. Uh, it was the preacher that preached after pastor graduated. <clears throat> Brother Stevens, if you haven't listened to that message, one of the most profound messages I've ever heard. And you know what he said? He said the point of his message was it's an honor. It is an honor to go through the things that we have to go through it's an honor to be used by the Lord. It's an honor for the Lord to even want to correct me. I don't deserve to be corrected. Do you know what I deserve? I deserve hell. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ came down here and got in the boat with me. Destination set. Not only that, He gives me direction. Not only that, He has compassion on me, even though I many times doubt Him. And then he corrects me. Sometimes it hurts. <laughs> you know, the Bible says that the word of God is a hammer. Sometimes that, you know, that hammer hurts. <laughs> Sometimes the Lord corrects some things. But man, what a blessing it is. And then what a blessing it is when he puts you through something and gives you the answer to something and helps you get something that you can then turn and help somebody else. You see... This is the type of person that we're dealing with. This is the type of man that we're having a relationship with. It's not, it's not just, you know, oh, peace be still. No. This is a man. He's a man of certainty. He's a man of compassion. He's a man of, create, of, of correction, and he is the creator. So let me ask you this. 
Is the Lord holding off on your storm today? Is he holding off on calming it? Maybe he's, somebody's watching you. If I can have every eye closed, every head bowed, if I can have the piano player come.